Kathy, welcome back. How was your COVID break? <laughs> Intense. How was yours? <laughs> um, not a break. No. <laughs> So, as this was all kicking off, we did do a little episode about... <laughs> I feel like I want to say it was about the coronavirus, but actually you were just obsessed with toilet rolls at the time, so it was mainly around toilet rolls. It was. Do Not Panic was actually the name of the episode. Yeah, it was. And then, then the country just came to a grinding Oh, a bit of an old school reference, but we were literally just like the dad's army, weren't we? <laughs> we like, don't panic! <laughs> oh yeah, no, probably panic. Yeah. Well, you probably didn't need to panic. However, actually, I would oh. say my I didn't panic <laughs> by toilet rolls, but I did you go did. and buy one big pack, like whatever you get in it, a nine or a 12, which I wouldn't normally do because there's only me and a three-year-old in the house and he uses wet wipes. And then separately, Kim had bought me some toilet rolls because there was this panic happening. So actually, we've come out the other side of COVID and I've, I'm still going through that initial, wasn't even an intentional stockpile, but ended up being a stockpile mm -hmm. and wasn't needed. So the panic, don't panic message was correct. They don't go out of date, do they? It's they don't. Like stockpiled Winton's tea. Well, so I was going to say, what, did you stockpile anything? No, absolutely not. I did go through a phase though, where for some reason, every time I go shopping, I always think I need vinegar. So I always buy vinegar. And <laughs> then me with ozo. And then literally, my brother-in-law been doing his garden, he'd cut up all his decking and I've got an oil, um, a log burner. So he came down and said, oh, can you burn this wood? And I said, yeah, absolutely no problem. And then he said, oh, you know, I can't get any vinegar anywhere. And I went, oh, I've got vinegar. <laughs> Trading wood and vinegar. Oh my God, I'm back in the medieval times. You really times. are. I've traded wood for vinegar. No money exchange. That is amazing. No capital gains. They're just win-win for you, really. Well, absolutely. Um, I keep doing it with Ozo, don't I? I've got like 40 packets of Ozo at home. I don't think I knew what Ozo was until you had 40 packets of it. I once made one Ozo recipe. It's like Ozo and chicken and lemon and basil. And it's really tasty. And every time I go shopping, I think, oh, I should make that recipe again. I'll buy some Ozo. And then I go home. Oh, yeah, no, I think that every single week so I literally just have like 10 packets of also whereas I have chips for dinner I mean you're the winner I'm the winner chips for dinner <laughs> <laughs> So I use Monzo and normally you can go in and it breaks down. You've got a pie chart on what your expenditure is and how much you've got left for the expenditure isn't a word. But yeah, expenditure. Like it, though. <laughs> it's better than expenditure. It is, isn't it? Expenditure. Yeah. So it would show where you'd spend in categories and then how much you had left for the month. And actually for the last three months, it's just like Sainsbury's. There is nothing else. And it's We've you've got loads left for the month. So many times about how often your Monzo goes crazy over the times you eat out. Yes, so actually yeah. not being able to yeah. eat out, how have you found that? So I'm not a takeaway person ever, like whether it was an option or not, I'm just not a takeaway person. So as soon as eating out wasn't an option, literally cooking three meals a day for me and my little one, there wasn't another option. It didn't even cross my mind. And I was probably about six weeks in where I thought, oh my God, have I cooked three meals a day? Because we're at home, I'm not in the office, I'm not picking up sandwiches, I'm certainly not eating out. Every single day for six weeks and it absolutely blew my mind that I was able to do it. And over that time, had got better at buying the food that I actually need because normally mm -hmm. I'll do a shot, leave it in the fridge, all goes mouldy, I eat out every night and then I bin it all. It's just wasteful. Finance! Um, <laughs> <laughs> tip, don't do that. <laughs> I remember I was actually on the phone to my mum going, like, I've literally fed us every day. <laughs> just me. We well, haven't been out or anything, well, like and she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But already, so we're now like a week or two into things starting to ease off. And yesterday, I just bin loads of stuff out my fridge. It's just already starting because I'm I'm spending a bit more time in the office, so I'm not physically in the house as much. I'm not preparing. I'm not planning my meals, and I you just know, I said in the last one, I think this will be the change of consumerism. People will not waste the money. They'll see how much they're saving. They'll be over the moon and say, yes, I'm going to continue to make all of my meals from scratch. 
And then as soon as Costa's opened, mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go and buy everyone in the office Costa. And then it was immediately kind of, give me all the food and all the drink and there's 50 quid. Yeah. And then it's gone. And then literally we've been, every single day, one of us have been to Costa. Every day. Every day. So I dug back out. back into that trap immediately, haven't we? I had an espresso machine that literally needed dust carving off it, which I did when Costa had closed. And then I bought all these Nespresso pods and all these different flavours. And then I was buying hazelnut milk and making my own. And it was lovely, but literally that cost has opened and dust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. back to the dust. I mean, you could clean it. Of course. It hurt, yeah, but... Do you feel like financially, mm-hmm. is there anything that we could take from the last 12 weeks? Is there anything that we could I'd learn? love to think that, like I say, people who go out and say, well, actually, I've saved so much in petrol. But actually, if they're anything like me, I've just spent the last 12 weeks almost fully renovating my house because I'm sick of looking at it. Like, it's just so that end kind up spending of more anyway, just because you're seeing that. I've spent thousands over lockdown. It's ridiculous. But then that's not a bad thing because actually it's probably expenditure that you would have done it's anyway. Would have spent you brought it forward. Yeah. You've done it while you're not spending on costas. Yeah. I know you always shop at Sainsbury's so you shop at the same shop whereas I shop around. Yeah. I always go to, you know, the local butchers and the local greengrocers and I have noticed that certain places have put up prices so the I don't notice an individual, I'm not that person who walks on the supermarket and goes, oh, well, this was only, you know, 49 pence last week and now it's 52 pence. But I do notice in the general basket of goods, if my shopping is an average £80 a week yeah. and then all of a sudden it appears to be about 100 and I yeah, can't yeah. see exactly where it's changed, but it has definitely changed somewhere. Yeah. Part of that is I'm buying a lot more food because we're eating out less and, you know, I'm planning for the week so I have to shop less, mostly just because I have such resentment about queuing outside the supermarket mm. to get in but there is less and less of people I guess just popping it I think oh you know I've run out of this I'll pop it to the shop and get it I absolutely won't if it's not yeah. necessary yeah. I'm not going to stand outside and wait in the rain to go in and get I don't know a packet of buttons I was thinking so I feel like the lockdown where you couldn't spend other than pretty much food your expenditure was pulled right into your absolute basics so you probably still had your direct well hopefully still had your direct debits going out for like your gas and electricity and your water and the things that you absolutely need and then your day-to-day expenditure is you know your food and your living and it reminded me of back when I set up the business and you learned just how little you can live on and how much extra you spend without thinking about it. It's like mindless spending. It's, Absolutely. you know, it's that, the fact that it can be upon a card. You're not taking cash out of a machine like you used to in the good old days. And I think something about the last 12 weeks is almost taking you back to that. It's taking you back to going, well, you know, this is what I actually need to spend. And we've seen the queues to get back into Primark and people are jumping straight back into it. But, you know, do you need to? If during that time you're thinking, I do want to save, I do want to buy a house, I do want to, whatever my next kind of big goal is, might have just helped you realise that you can do it and that all those things that you thought were essential maybe aren't. Absolutely. If you'd said to me before this whole thing, are you going to do your bathroom next month? I'd have said, well, no, I haven't got the spare cash. And I, you know, I'm against credit and I like to save up for these things. But actually, when I sat down and thought, well, you know, I'm not spending this on petrol, of which I spend over £100 a month. I'm not spending this on spurious lunch items. I'm going to the shop once a week. I'm not going every night to get something different for dinner or the occasional takeaway or going out to eat. Yeah. Saved literally hundreds in that respect. Boozy nights out. Boozy nights out. Not buying any new clothes. Literally haven't bought any clothes over the whole three months and have not missed it. And even now when I've got the email through, June shoe sale, not concerned. (gasps) 
you know, I've still got brand new shoes that haven't been worn because I've never been anywhere. But that's always been the case and you still buy shoes. <laughs> I, I can't believe it's broke, yeah. What do you think have been the highs of mm. lockdown? Do you know what? I don't think there has been a high. I think, I know there's a lot of talk about more employers offering the flexibility to work from home and to do less commuting, which I think will open up career opportunities for people. If everybody's working from home, there's less restrictions on whereabouts in the country you are. Yeah. Whereas once over, we were kind of restricted up in Darlington for the kind of jobs you could have. Personally, my mm. high would be, I've seen more of my friends, albeit virtually, over that. Zoom. I've heard it. I know, but I've seen more of them than what I know, but I'd rather I not see them. So the girls that I know from Bishop, <laughs> I would see them once every couple of months and we'd go to town and we'd spend a lot of money and get drunk. Now I've been seeing them every single week, virtually. You, so you're doing every Friday, you're mm-hmm. doing quizzes. Yeah. Do you think you'll still do this, though? So oh. in a couple of weeks when beer gardens open? Mm, probably not, but it has been nice. It's like the it's coffee, nice isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, nice. yeah. It's nice to make coffees I, at home. I don't want to. I liked being you know, optimistic at the beginning and saying that I don't think things will bounce immediately back. People will make new habits because they say, you know, it only takes a few weeks to make a new habit. Mm. But actually, it turns out... We'll made no new back. habits. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be exactly how I was. Yeah, and probably quite me happily. Too. I think it's interesting for us because we can look at it from the perspective as an employee and also from the business owner point of view, mm-hmm. you know, we've had to make some difficult and really abstract decisions based on the way that the world has changed without any control from ourselves. So I was the last person on the 23rd of March when we were closing down, I was the last person leaving the office and put the music on really loud and I was dancing around and I was like, bye office. And you just really felt that kind of sense of occasions probably the wrong word but that that feel like this is monumental there's something yeah yeah. and there was the signs on the wall which at the time we'd put up in the couple of weeks in the run-up to that saying you know make sure you're washing your hands and all the the basic guidance that was out there and I remember thinking next time I come into these offices I'll be pulling these signs down like you know Mm. it'll be because it's reopened and it's just I just think it's mind-blowing isn't it to think to even think of a single business so if I think of the cafe near my little one's nursery that I drop them off at nursery and I go in and get a coffee or I sit and work on a Friday morning to do my newsletter to just think of that if somebody had said to them you need to close down for 12 weeks that as a one-off standalone thing would just be phenomenal you'd assume they wouldn't come through it so then replicating that to every single business, like just shut the doors and that's it, is just mind-blowing. It's kind of almost incomprehensible. The fact that we have, we are now 12, 14 weeks later, we've started to creep back into the office. Those businesses that you would have just assumed literally couldn't have withstood that level of closure, a lot of them have so far in the reopening and the finding new ways to innovate. Like it, it feels like a bit of a miracle, to be honest, that we kind of are where we mm-hmm. are. I can't believe that we could have gone through what we've gone through and so many firms are still kind of standing. What do you think about those small businesses and how how they are finding it now reopening? Because obviously it's that conflict that everybody's got with you, you want to get back to normal and you want to get things moving again, but you just have this constant fear and this constant doubt and the worry and should we be opening or should I've we just... I've seen the opening of pubs and it's all kind of, let's try and make it more continental and have outdoor space so that, you know, people have got areas between them and we're not all sat on top of each other but I don't know if everyone's just forgot that it's cold in the UK <laughs> the reason that it works in the continent is because it's really nice and you can sit out till 11 o'clock it's balmy it's balmy exactly <laughs> it's just nuts and I just think 
okay, but... But England. But, but the rain, yeah, but yeah. England. So I don't know how I feel. Given that uh, there's a storm raging while we've been recording this. Do you this. think you will go rushing straight back to the pub as soon as it opens? Yeah. <laughs> and Have I'm you saying... the social interaction? I didn't. During the whole of lockdown, I said, I don't care about pubs. I'm not bothered. I don't feel like I'm missing them. I do miss eating out. I like nice food. I don't think I can make the best food there is. What I missed was seeing my family and friends. And actually, the pub was often that place to do it. So I thought, actually, I'm not that bothered about the pub. I'm bothered about the people. Now that I've started to see the people again, I want the pub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? Still the people, but yeah, the pub. So obviously there's going to be an impact on the high street. Um, you know, I, I think some of the smaller businesses have come through this okay, partly because of the government support, partly because they've been so good at innovating. Um, and it's the bigger businesses that had racked up loads of debt that kind of can't handle it and you're losing some big names. The high street was struggling anyway. Shops were struggling. And that's why there's more and more pubs and bars and restaurants. That's the only reason that you would mm -hmm. go into town. And in Darlington, there's a shopping centre, Queen Street. The, I think there's like two shops in it. They're just, it's just empty. It's, and it's a horrible place now. You don't even mm. want to walk through it. So separately, I know a few local small businesses. So there's a girl who makes things out of concrete and she makes like these trays and swirly marbly patterns and stuff. And I'd thought for in Queen Street, wouldn't it be nice if what they did was said, well, these units are all stood empty anyway. Mm -hmm. Why don't we take these independent businesses that are just selling their stuff on Etsy or Instagram mm -hmm. and give them three months or six months free in a, a unit? It's just empty. It costs us nothing. Then what you have is instead of a shopping mall that's empty and creepy, you've got one that's full of independent boutique local little businesses. Mm -hmm. And actually, as a consumer, I would love to have a little browse around them and kind of go in because you don't want to just buy the same stuff all the time. Um, but I wonder if everything that's happened will do that because you're losing some of these bigger names. What you're going to have is loads and loads and loads of empty units in the high street. And actually, it's the small businesses that are coming through. Like, is this the opportunity to make your high street, your, your local also, butchers rather than the same And I think it will. And I think that's the way it will go back. I know Bishop Auckland, near where I live, you know, there's some more bars opening up. They're trying to make it, you know, a little bit cuter. There's, there's galleries and things opening, things that are non-profit. Yeah, yeah. But actually just improve the area and get more footfall. Yeah. And it's just about kind of making it looking you know a little stuff bit that nicer. you do need to do in person which actually a lot of stuff you don't like yeah. the online stuff make it online yeah. so in the last episode we did before coronavirus oh well before it already you know kicked off i forced you kind of and um, to look at your portfolio and to just get out of your denial nest and look at how much your pension and isa had dropped yes um which you did right so my isa is down 11 percent yeah i feel like that's not too bad exactly and my pension's down 13 percent still an extra seven percent you thought you didn't have yeah and it might go down further but it's not real money you're not taking any you obviously can't take any money out of your pension you're not 55 till next year so they'd <laughs> on average they'd gone down by 12 percent. they're about 88 percent right. of what they were three months before and mm -hmm. then at the start of covid there was just a massive market crash and i'd lost like 12 percent mm -hmm. but we did say at the time that you know they'll bounce back nobody panic which is why sell. i didn't want to look because it would make me you panic know, yes and it did it freaked me out like i didn't want to see it i didn't do anything okay right. so i thought well today you could look again see what it's like are you nervous um, 
Mark is generally less back nervous up. than last time. <laughs> All right, <laughs> okay, so let's go and have a quick look and see what it looks like today. Right, okay. What's it looking like? Right, so right, my ISA, which was down. It was down about 11%. It's actually not down at all. It's back to what it was. It's about £50 out from what it was before Amazing. all of this happened. So it's Amazing. completely level again. And my pension, which was down about 13%, so I'd kind of averaged them at 12 Again, almost back to exactly where it was. It's down 1%. So it's it's essentially almost back to what it was pre-COVID by doing absolutely nothing. Quite a balanced slash moderately adventurous portfolio, isn't it? So after we'd had that conversation in the coronavirus episode last time... I'm down 12% now. I wouldn't be at all surprised if I'm down 25% by the time mm-hmm. it kind of bottoms out. But even that... But if you keep investing now, it, it, you know, the, when the prices are so low that when it does start to go up, you're going to feel the benefit of the money that you put in when the prices were low. This is your time to start playing the markets if you want to. Why the hell not? I thought, do you know, practice what you preach, Joe. Yes. I moved all of, well, not all of my cash, quite a bit of my cash... From my cash into an ISA, into an adventurous portfolio. <gasps> did you? I did indeed. Oh my goodness, Cheeky. you little wild gambler. I know. Do you want to have a guess on how much it's up as per today? Um, well, given that in the same time, mine's gone up about 10, 10%. 18%. <gasps> it's very adventurous global technology. Ooh, um, global tech. Um, and I did it mostly because I wanted to have that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just did want to come back three months later and say, well, actually, I'd practice what I preached, put some money in my ISA. That was what you preached, you preached, do nothing. No, do nothing. <laughs> Not go buy very say... highly speculative, not advised shares. <laughs> gamble, gamble, gamble. However, um, what I did was, I did say, <laughs> now's the time if you've got cash to invest it because the markets are so low, invest low. So, yeah, about 18%. I'm furious that I didn't copy you. <laughs> Now, instead of being happy with me being back level, I'm I'm down. You're not down. I'm down because you're eighteen percent up, and I'm neutral. Yeah, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just thought it was really interesting and um... interesting slash sneaky. All right, not sharing your tips. Absolutely, you know absolutely everything I know about finance. You told me to hold, and then you went and bought. No, I told you. You not had to my sell. life. You've had I told my you life. Not to sell. You're not my advisor. <laughs> You're not my friend, by the to me. Oh, well done, though. I know, it was amazing. Um, and I know we did say the market would recover. I don't think either of us thought that they would recover that quickly. Absolutely not, no. Um, but it just goes to show that actually how quickly they can change and mm-hmm. what difference financial advice would make. There would be a lot of people, and I know even people who've had financial advice mm-hmm. and still gone against it. Yep, and they pulled and out pulled the market. Out yeah, time. I do, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, that we were right and that's what's happened, but, you know. We were right. We were right. I told you so. Yeah, I agree. So when we were discussing it, we knew the the general advice, not as a regulated thing, the, the concept is to just hold your nerve. If you're investing, you're investing for the long term. You don't panic when things are happening. I, in that moment, lived it. I lived the panic of seeing it fall, 
feeling desperately like I just want to get out of this I don't like it this is my pension like stop mm. it forcing myself to stay thinking you know it could be a year it could be two years I will it will get back I'll get Hopefully there before I retire yeah it's amazing that it is only you know sort of three months later that it's already there but exactly that's so I know clients of advisors that at the same time we were doing that last podcast were saying nope I don't care what you say I'm seeing my funds going down. I want to come out. I want to come before out. I want to come go out down further, yeah. before they go down further. And they've come out, and then the markets bounce back up, and they sat there in cash. And mm. you know, I agree with saying you're just crystallising a loss. It's not a loss until you do something with it. It's yeah. a loss on paper. It goes up and down, up and down. It was like the markets helped us demonstrate a podcast point. So thank mm-hmm. you, global economy that you can get into the technicalities of COVID being an influence and because it was very specifically a medical one, that's why the drop was so rapid and the bounce back's been so rapid. The 2008 crash was a financial one, so it was much more inherent in every single part of the system. So the recovery was much, much, much longer. But the the concept's the same. The fact is when they go down, they're going down in reaction to something. And once the economy's working again, and it will because it's in everybody's benefits to make it work, you know, governments, businesses, consumers, everybody wants it to go, um, then it will come back around. This podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance. We'll make learning the world of finance interesting, modern and fun. So obviously everybody's had different experiences during lockdown. There's basically a recovery curve and we're all on it at some point. So if we think about some of the, I guess, the key problems that people have faced, um, either in lockdown or coming out of it. So clearly furlough's been, it's a whole new concept. It's just become a verb. It's just part of people's terminology. The the concept with it, obviously, was that people were put onto a job retention scheme and given 80% 80% of their salary as a minimum, mm-hmm. how do you feel that would have affected you in terms of a, you know, the practicalities of it and the mindset of it? I think the mindset and the practicalities are two completely different things. The practicalities are that I believe 20% of my income would almost certainly be spent on commuting and you coffees. know the coffees, lunches, just general kind of buying clothes to go into work, work nights out. So I think practically... 80% of your wage is fair. Not neutral. Um, you know, you're not paying for all of those excessive things. Mindset's different. I think it's very hard. I'm used to working from home. I do it split between the office and home. It's a very weird trick that you have to learn for self-motivation and it doesn't come easily to everybody. To me, it's very much I have to get up, I have to get showered, I have to get ready, I have to sit at my desk. I can't, if I don't have a dedicated space and I don't have a dedicated time set couldn't work I can't just you know roll out of bed in my pajamas and sit on the sofa I wouldn't get motivated so when you're sat at home finding the motivation if you haven't got that work and you haven't got that kind of time frame it's not like you can do anything you can't Mm -hmm. go out you can't go to the pub you can't go on holiday you are literally stuck in the house so finding something to motivate you and keep you mentally well is very very difficult I know what I recommended to a lot of the people that I knew um, my friends and things who'd been furloughed was Look at different skills that you can acquire while you're on here. There was a lot of free courses available. Coding was a big one. You know, people are really investing in tech and actually learning those skills to help you in a work environment. Read some new books you'd never thought you'd, you know, you'd look at previously, never had time. You know, that kind of thing, just doing something to actually empower you when you really felt ready to go back to work yeah. and that you'd done something with your day and you hadn't just, you know, watched a thousand box sets or laid yeah. on the couch and ate. It's like, I guess, the human equivalent of the 
challenges with the economy. So what they're saying with the economy and when businesses stop, you can't stop and then start at 100%. You have to kind of build it back up mm-hmm. and it takes some time and it's that momentum that it takes to build. So each business as they're reopening, they're not immediately back to where they were. That takes some time. Same with the economy, that will take some time. It's a you need that effect, it, it is. So then it's the same as a human, exactly. Like if you just stopped and all you did was sat all day long watching box sets, then the next day you've got the choice to go back into work or, or whatever it might be. Actually building that back up, it's a big mm-hmm. leap. Whereas if you've kept some momentum going, then it, it kind of makes it a bit easier to step back into it. Yeah, and add to that the concept that a lot of people are not even leaving the house. Yeah. Or they're leaving it once a week to go for essential shopping. It becomes a much bigger thing. And I think there's a lot of people mentally struggling with just the concept of getting back into a routine mm-hmm. of leaving the house. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and starting to get back into the car and driving and all of those things. And they're so worried about catching a virus and, you know, the cleanliness of other places, it becomes a real big mental struggle. I took the advice to the letter, but I did a lot of walking. I, I got out of the house every single day, made sure that I kept in contact with people virtually. It's that not going from 100 to zero, back to 100. On the finance side, though, so, you know, I'm on furlough, so I'm not working, so I'm on 80%, and yes, I haven't got commuting. But again, there's something I imagine that's a bit, like, nerve-wracking about being on furlough and about sitting there all day every day. Mm. So you probably would still try and go, well, even if I'm broadly neutral in terms of my expenditure, I feel like I want to be a bit more careful with what I am spending mm-hmm. and I don't know what's coming up in future and maybe I just need to rein in where I, what I can. Yeah. So there'll be cutbacks. So, you know, people immediately cut back on things like gym memberships. Um, well, they're all closed anyway, aren't they? So if you had something in place like life insurance, like mm. hopefully absolutely nobody cancelled it because that's not a simple, I'll cancel it and I'll restart it. What about things like if you were paying monthly into an ISA or you were paying monthly into a pension, do you think they'd be considered a, it's not essential and I'll scale it back or I'll carry it on because actually I need this for the future? It's certainly not a nicer. I think if you can afford all of your daily things and you've still got a little bit of money left over, certainly keep those things up, especially at the time when the markets are so low yeah. and you're actually going to benefit more and more from it. And it's just the routine. It's always difficult once you cancel those kind yeah. of things to get them restarted, to get used to the extra bit of money. And so for me, you know, my ice is a direct debit and so my pension comes from my employer. So actually those things are already gone before I've even had time to think about them. I'm not physically taking the money out of the bank and taking it and giving it to somebody, which is harder. You should just let it play out. Yeah. In my opinion, that's what I would do. I agree. I think there's there's less essential things. I think I'd rather pay into my ISA than pay to Netflix. So I guess if you're older, um, mm. so imagine if this had happened and you were due to retire in right. the next six months. What do you think the impact of that on that would be? Do you know, I don't know. You know, we talk about retirement having almost an arbitrary date, 60 or 65, because mm-hmm. it's roundish. I feel like at this point, I've either accumulated enough to retire or haven't. I don't feel yeah. like six months is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So if I was 65 in October, mm-hmm. for example, would I be sat here now going, I just need to cling on till October. I just need to get to that 65. Or would I be going, like, what an opportunity. I can just bring it forward. You know, we talk about the challenge with retirement is that all of a sudden your life stops, but it's stopped anyway. So mm-hmm. actually, if I was right on the cusp of retirement, I don't think I'd be trying to get back up to 100 to go in and then stop again. Yeah. I'd, I'd kind of just go up. Yeah, definitely. It's like school holidays um, come early. It happened um, with my mum-in-law. We were out drinking one night and she excessively was dancing, dancing excessively and fell over and broke her shoulder. Um, nice. <laughs> she was in her early 60s, you know, so probably shouldn't have been excessively dancing with me in the pub, but was. And she planned to retire at 65 and she was, I want to say, 62. 
Um, so she was a few years from retirement, but then had to take six months off work because of this shoulder and she had to have an operation. So then she automatically went on to statutory sick pay and then realised that actually she didn't think she could afford to retire earlier yeah, yeah. because, you know, she had a full-time wage and she spent that wage. But actually, when you're forced to be on a lower wage, think, oh, actually, I can't afford to... I don't need to go back to work. Yeah. So that kind of made the decision for her to retire a few years earlier. You know, why am I flogging on and making my bones really brittle when really... I can retire now and I can live on a lesser wage if I do, you know, cancel my Sky subscription and, you know, maybe go to the pub. Maybe dance less energetically. Yes, maybe go home an hour early when I've had enough to drink and probably save a fortune then. Um, so I do think that this might be the catalyst for a lot of people. Um, I do feel like the coronavirus has helped prove some of the points that mm-hmm. we've raised in earlier podcast episodes. Obviously, it'd be nice if there was a less dramatic way of proving them. <laughs> but all the things that we've talked about in the past, about that emergency fund planning, you know, your protection, your income protection, and all of these things that are all around if the worst thing should happen. But it's very hard to imagine the worst thing happening. And then yeah, it nobody has... ever thinks it happens to us. Exactly, and then yeah. And actually yeah. something that nobody can predict. What might feel like, why have I got two, three, four thousand pounds sat in a bank account somewhere? What am I doing it for? Um, a, these things do happen. I don't know why I keep talking in <laughs> bulleted lists. <laughs> a, these things do happen. Two. <laughs> as, has been, <laughs> as has been shown. But also, it goes really quickly. Like, actually, if you lost your job overnight, I'll... And because your company's gone bust, so you haven't got the flexibility of redundancy pay, or you don't have income protection, it's all very, very fragile. So where you're putting all this stuff in place and it might feel like overkill in the good times, actually, it's absolutely invaluable in the bad times. It really is. And also, we say three months emergency fund and you think, oh, why? like, you know, if I lost my job tomorrow... I'd probably get another one in a couple of weeks, even if unless I had you're in the world's deepest recession, or, where there are you know, no jobs, a giant pandemic, where there are absolutely no jobs. Literally can't then go you're anywhere. Need that three months. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you really it is. Especially it's when it's, you know, when we're talking about the dangers of having no money in the sense that you've lost your job and you have to wait six weeks for credit. So yeah, how do you feed yeah. yourself for six Literally weeks with no money? Yeah. It's, um, you know, you say cliches are a cliche for a reason. You say them over and over. Basics are basics for a reason. These basics of financial planning, there's a reason that the basics before you start getting excited about stocks and shares and, you know, technology investments that apparently go up 18% in three months. <laughs> like your fundamentals absolutely must be in place because none of that other stuff would matter if you couldn't buy some food tomorrow. Absolutely, or toilet roll. Or toilet roll. Always flipping Invest toilet roll. Invest in toilet roll. That's the future. Yes, having said all of that, we know we haven't changed the small day-to-day habits. We know we're back at Costa. I will be spending a large proportion of my income on eating out once I can. Um, so there are some things that won't change, but do you think the, the bigger lessons, do you think these kind of the basics that we're talking about, that this might have been the shock that they need to actually start doing these things? I'd like to think so. And I think even if you don't have three months worth of emergency fund, if you have something, it's better Anything, than nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think this has scared us in a lot of different ways and from a lot of angles and actually I did read a statistic saying that the calls to a male mental health suicide line have gone up 275% and a lot of that is worries about obviously the coronavirus but just money and finance and actually why put your mental health at risk for something that's solvable 
you know, put it away, do it as little and as often as you physically can and just forget about it. Yeah, and it's one yeah. less thing to worry about. And it's one huge thing that you don't think to worry about anymore. I think it's just short. And I think it was this word before, the fragility of the your day-to-day life, like kind of what you think you've got. And it's that confidence that comes with living my life and I'm doing this and I've got this income and that's fine. And I think this has shown the fragility. So, yeah, I agree. I hope that it might just bring that financial planning focus into much sharper contrast for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let's end on a joke. Um, <laughs> you know, did you hear about the pirate who didn't have an emergency fund no. and he had a headache and he oh. couldn't even buy tablets? Do you know oh, why? Why? Because the pirate set him up. <laughs> <laughs> So just our usual thank yous, massive thank you to the Art of Finance for their ongoing support and invaluable sponsorship. Huge thank you to Mark and Glenn from Second Draft for keeping us in check and cutting out all of Joe's inappropriateness. And also to the marketing team, they've done amazing work on the website and they sit and listen through the drafts of our podcast to write a blog on it and they do a brilliant job of promoting it. So a huge thank you to everybody for helping us make, oh and you. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Some people are just tentatively stepping onto the, the lower edges of the recovery curve. We're on the slide and it's like, wee! Wee! <laughs> <laughs> that was fun! <laughs> Bouncing into the next crisis. <laughs> Sounds like it could be our autobiography, <laughs> bouncing in from one crisis to another. <laughs>